When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Buzz! 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 Welcome in to a remote edition of At The Buzzer, a Ralph Report podcast for all of your Colorado athletic news and notes. I am currently outside away from my normal equipment, but uh, the passion is still there to bring you the best of what you need to know as fall season. We are zero, zero Saturdays away from football. Um, so it's crunch time. We're, we're here. Zero we Saturdays. Record. Who's playing on Saturday? Who's playing on Saturday? So on Saturday, we have week zero and it's the, of course, headline um, Big Ten matchup, Nebraska Northwestern and Ireland. Two three-win oh, teams yes. we sent over um, to give us our best to the Irish. Um, and a few other games. We got we got Vanderbilt visiting the island. Vanderbilt, Hawaii for the true sickos out there. Uh, I think it's Purdue, Wyoming. Just bangers. Um, but we're here. So we are going to tell you everything you need to know about fall camp updates. We're going to talk about the shifting landscape of college football we're going to talk a little bit about some exciting basketball recruiting because you know Tad loves bringing those guys to bat- football games. Uh, everything you need to know. By we, I mean me, Jack, one co-host, and you, Sam, the other co-host. That's the we. So welcome back. Yeah. Well, howdy. We've had a quiet offseason, um, but it's been a loud one around the country. We've just been biding our time trying to get all the information we can. Um, and now that that's here, we're going to dig in. So. Let's get to, I think, the stuff that we're probably more excited to talk about, which is the basketball recruiting. We're still a basketball first podcast, hence the name at the buzzer. Um, and we, as some of you might have seen on Instagram this week, we saw that one of the top 25 prospects in the country, um, Cody Williams, is has completed his visit, his official visit to Colorado basketball. So we are playing with the big leagues now. Um, Sam, you got any uh, any insight there? Yes, thank you for queuing me up. It looks like, as I have only recently heard about Cody Williams because I don't really follow recruiting that much, he is six foot eight, one eighty. He is a late bloomer, which is pretty typical for all these tad boiled recruits. Uh, they're in early on these guys who turn into stars. And Cody Williams, you would probably know his brother Jalen Williams, who was just the twelfth pick by the Oklahoma City Thunder who CU had apparently been recruiting uh, before he went to Santa Clara. Yes. Yep. Um, But yeah, this guy is big, obviously six foot eight, long as hell, and has a lot of really like ball handling chops. He looks really fluid, uh, moves well, everything. Uh, Can't really shoot apparently, but uh, yeah, there's a, there's a lot to work with, especially from like a developing NBA talent. Like he, he has pretty much, every raw tool you look for besides that shot. Um, he is, I will say there are a few recruits that have reached his athletic class that Tad has actually been able to close in on. Um, 
CU's had really good recruits, especially recently. Like the, the recruiting has absolutely picked up. But um, you know, Lawson Lovering, top fifty recruit last year and really good. Still really athletic, but a lot of what Lawson Lovering is getting high marks for was like defensive awareness. He's really long and he can move his feet. That's athleticism. But it's not it it doesn't jump off the page really. This guy like floats off the page. Um, if if that's a term, like Cody Williams is absolutely a NBA player, um, and he'll be an NBA player in one to two years in college. He's not a developed, like he is a development NBA player, but not one that CU will have to like mold. You know, he's a freak. Like it's it's crazy to watch him play basketball. Um, okay, so like skill wise, skill wise, he's not a raw specimen. You mean? I, well, like you said, I think shooting. I we both watched the tape. I think his form's not bad. It gets up quick. Um, he brings it across his face a little bit, which I'm not a fan of. But yeah, Lonzo Ball does that, and you know, and Lonzo the the Ball had to get rid of that. <laughs> right, but he did that in the NBA. He didn't have to get rid of that in college, and he still was dominating in college. You know. Okay. Um, sure. Yeah. So I, his shooting isn't the best, but the form is there for it to not be terrible. And if you, we both watched some stuff and just from what we've seen in scouting reports, um, he can pass, he's a plus passer. I would say at six, eight, especially at six, eight, he's a plus passer. He can move the ball around. He has a disgusting offhand drive. Um, so he can take it to the rack either hand. He, like I said, explodes athletically, extremely easy jumper, extremely easy. Like he, he'll get off his second jump pretty quick. Um, I think if you read the, the scouting reports, and shout out to Adam Monster Tiger and 247. We love them. See you fans. If you want to know more about everything, we are bringing you what we can, but they will always be able to go deeper. That's the beauty of the paywall. So breach that wall if you want to know even more. And 247 has great scouting reports on these guys. Um, so it sounds like the main issue is um, consistent defensive effort, which uh, based off of what we've heard from his brother was the issue before he figured it out, Santa Clara, right? His brother figured out how to do it at Santa Clara. And the other issue is that he he's, his shooting percentages aren't great, but everything else is there. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I'm not really sure what else I, what else to say that you didn't already say, but like, I think that in terms of if his shooting is the one thing that's lacking a bit and the defensive intensity, I think that like the defensive intensity will definitely be top because like, no matter how talented you are, Tad's not really going to be happy with you if you're not putting in good work defensively. Right. Um, but the shooting thing, that's a very exciting because if you really want to look at this big picture, it's like what's the most important NBA skill is shooting? And what's the most – You're saying that he might okay, have, so you have uh, if you... maybe more than one year? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I'm trying to get at that, yeah. Like, basically, like, if you can be a monster in college, 6'8 without a jumper, uh, the NBA might not be calling for another another year or two. Uh, so I think that, like, this is exactly the type of high four-star, low five-star that, like, it's crazy to say that CU should be targeting, but, like, we'll take any five-star, but I, as long as they have a good head on their shoulders. <laughs> but that, I, I like the type for tab to get someone like well this. And that's the thing is he is still absolutely a tab player like you mentioned he's six eight he's super long on the wing he's um kind you know like i said heavy left hand usage um he, he plays in arizona <laughs> and i so I, I bring this up because jabari was also an arizona high school player but i think body type wise you'll see also jimmy gilbert the connections red deep <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Jimmy Gilbert, who played basketball. Steven Montez played basketball in El Paso, which is basically Arizona. It's all there. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. N- no, I, I think I think he's a lot more fluid than Jabari is, especially on the wing. Cody Williams is basically a 6'8 point guard. Um, I, I think you, when you watch him, when I watched him, I, I felt a little bit like, I don't know, he, he has athletic explosion, but I really liked his command of the offense, and I feel like he can actually absolutely be a floor general. And to me, it's really fun to think about this 2023 team if Cody Williams has come on board as a, as a freshman. And just think about it for a second. You got upperclassman, leader point guard, and K.J. Simpson. Um, but it's not just him moving the ball if you have a guy like Cody Williams on the side. And they both, I think, fit really well together 
that's like really exciting thought for me. And that team is just going to sprint every, every time they can, like that's going to be a freakishly fast team. Yeah. Um, uh, I messed up. I meant to say Jason Harris, who was from Gilbert, Arizona, that I mixed it up with Jimmy Gilbert. So yes, Jason Harris, the, the four-star get who transferred to Arizona. Uh, but yes, I mean like, yeah, he fits that type exactly what CU wants to do with pushing a tempo, especially like, like having him and Nick Nick Clifford would be so nice. Just six foot seven freaks just running it and making plays off the wing. That sounds really nice. Yeah. And if you look at what CU's losing coming into the 2023 season, it's, it's two transfers, uh, at least on paper. Right. I think the two Mm -hmm. people who are slated to leave are Jalen Gabadon, who's coming from Yale. And it's kind of that, He's scrappier wing. You know, he's more, he's still athletic, but he's really physical, a little bit more mixy up. And then Ethan Wright, who is pure shooting. And he, he can also uh, rebound, but Ethan Wright's going to provide shooting. That's, that's the reason that he's here. He can shoot the ball. Um, so if you're losing those two, the main worry I have with the 2023 team would be shooting. But uh, assuming that CU can close that class with Cody Williams and another high, high recruit, um, an obvious choice would be one of these highly rated big men from that are in the state of Colorado right now, like Bayfall or Sonny Diop. That is a huge upgrade, especially athletically. And that team could be something really, really special. Um, Cause I think the leadership will be there too with, with upperclassmen like, like KJ. Um, Do you think that, that the shooting can be developed? Cause like I, I see a lot of young players who project as good shooters specifically, I would think. Julian Hammond, uh, Luke O'Brien, Quincy Allen, players who Quincy Allen we know can shoot the ball. Yeah, Quincy yeah. Allen we know Boston Levering should ball. be able to shoot. Well, and more than that, Joe Hurlbert well is a good shooter already uh, at the power forward mm-hmm. slash. Uh, what do you want to call that? The Nabisky position of slow four. Um, <laughs> trailer on the fast break by necessity. Um, yeah, the. Uh, there will be shooters there. And I think KJ can develop. I really like how quick KJ's shot is. Um, and I think it looks pretty. So I, I hope he can develop that into a consistent shot from the point guard position. But we know Allen can shoot. We know Hammond can shoot, like you mentioned. Um, and Williams, it looks like his stroke can be there. But that's a huge upgrade regardless. Like, I love, I like what Gabadon and Wright are bringing to the, the table this year, which is basically just leadership and, and toughness. A lot of, like, just experience. <laughs> Like they can shoot, they know how to play high level basketball, which is important, but adding to that in the future with extreme athleticism, like Williams or one of these bigs would be incredible. And I, it would be really hard for me not to say that's a sweet 16 team. Yeah. I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm also looking at this roster. It's like everybody is a decent shooter or a good shooter who should get better. The only questionable shooters uh, would be like, players who can kind of shoot or we just haven't really seen them play, which is like Javon Ruffin and then the Silva, Tristan the Silva. Ruffin, Ruffin can absolutely shoot. Okay, absolutely so I am not really concerned long-term about the team shooting. Yeah, and the uh, Silva's, but, I guess the Silva's probably going to be a huge linchpin of that team. Can you help me out? What does the big man rotation look like in 2023? Um, the Silva... <laughs> Is going to start, and other he, he honestly there might be an argument that he's the most important player on the team next year. Him and KJ Simpson, I think, might next year kind of hold everything together this coming season, 2022, 2023 season. Yeah. Yes, I I agree. Okay, uh, so it'll be the Silva, uh, Lovering will probably play center. I just don't know, like. Like for big men, it's it's just Lovering and then Hurlbert and then a bunch of big wings who can theoretically play the four or the five. Um, so that would include Quincy Allen. That would include uh, De Silva, Nick Clifford. And if you really want to get crazy with it, uh, Jalen Gabadon can probably play up a position because he's pretty physical. But okay. it's a weird, it's a really weird roster. A I forgot Luke yeah. O'Brien too. Who Luke O'Brien, I really can't tell if he's like a big two or a tiny four. Yeah, I uh 
well, Luke O'Brien will absolutely play upsides four this year, but mm-hmm. in 2023, that's a really weird. We are basically, well, I shouldn't say banking because that team's really good, I think, regardless. But to end this, to close the 2023 basketball loop, um, oh, I'm, Lawson, I'm gonna open it back, back up. Okay, if Lawson Lovering ends up being what we need, what we want him to be, which is a dominant defensive presence that is giving you um, spacing and rim running on offense, that team is disgusting. That is a disgusting team. Mm-hmm. And if you add in someone like Asane Diapa Bay and Dongo from Colorado in this class. Um, like I said, those are just likely candidates because they're local and CU's already pushed pretty hard for them. Um, those are both really good pluses athletically, and they add in a little more ferociousness. They'll stay inside a little more. Um, that's like that's a crazy good rotation. And then, like you said, if you have De Silva as that power forward, small forward, and he's good, that's just polished offense. That's that's really fun. And then you add in Williams, who can move the ball, really athletic, can drive from the wing, just makes things happen. Um, we get crazy. And then you add in Allen, who is a shooter slasher, super athletic. And then you add in Clifford, who is getting bigger, always also athletic, starting to shoot the ball a little bit better. And then you add in KJ Simpson, who is extremely fast and can, yeah, that's a crazy team. Hammond, like really solid hand. Ruffin, who we have no idea, but is huge and can shoot at the guard spot. Like that's amazing. Yeah, and we don't know anything about Javon Hadley either, uh, but we'll find out. I well, um, I have a, I have an idea about that. I think Hadley's oh, going to okay, be a sure. senior twenty twenty three, and this is because he's our the patron saint of this podcast. But I think Hadley is going to be the souped up superhero version of what Sabatino Chen was for the 2020, 2013 <laughs> team. Um, okay, from what we know about Hadley, he's a big guard who can play point. Is all about like rebounding and grit and i think that's going to be someone that tab Boyles loves to have of just you know like i said super chen super nintendo of uh that's his that's his twitter handle of, wow. uh that was a good one that's his it's his twitter channel i know i know i know that was a good reference though that's a deep cut because you know what uh, of, for. like you know he's like the eighth guy on the roster and maybe the the it's tied up at you know with the starters versus starters just like have they get in there and just fucking muck it up baby you know like get those weird offensive rebounds that see you shouldn't be getting and defend the guy that no one wants to defend for 20 minutes and like just move the ball around in a way that makes sense and i think that's what he's going to be then where do you hear that again well if you if you read tad's comments about hadley and read what hadley Mm -hmm. thinks about himself he he is absolutely going to be a dirty work player um, he has the ability to be more, which is why I think he's the Super Nintendo. Like I, he he has a bit of a shot. He can drive. He can initiate the offense. But remember, he's moving up from community college to Power Five, so I, Power Six. So I'm not like going to put all that on him. Um, and in 2023, if you add it, there's a lot of people around his skills, his his size on that team. So he will, he and Luke O'Brien will both be the ultimate hustle guys. That that's going to be a fun team. I'm already. Getting excited. It's a okay. foregone conclusion yeah, in my mind. Even though Cody okay. Williams has eight potential options, I'm thinking he's already on the team. That's his bad news. Uh, I'll say something quick, and then I'll get back into a question for you. Um, I will rescind my comment that De Silva and uh, KJ are the most important. I think that they're going to be the two linchpins of the team that hold everything together. I agree with that. But I do think that Lovering is probably the most important swing piece. Because again, if he hits this season, then everything changes. Um, okay, so I, ha- I do have a question for you. Who okay. is the best NBA prospect on this team? I have a bigger point about this. So, on this, the current, not including our recruiting updates, you're saying the team going into 2022, no, 2023? No. Yep, just this team. I would think Clifford. Okay, maybe why? Allen, but we don't know. Why do I think Clifford? Because mm-hmm. he's a modern I think, forward. Like I think he's, yeah, I think he has plus athleticism. I think he can defend one through four, one through three for sure. Uh, I think his shot is workable. Um, yes. End of list. I I think that's a fair pick. 
That's probably what I would pick too, honestly. Uh, I, I, my first thought was Quincy Allen, but we just don't, we haven't seen him play really. His theoretically, he makes the most sense. But this would go to my broader point, which I think it's a good thing right now that Tad has built a super weird team where nobody really fits the modern NBA. <laughs> because they'll last longer? Um, because they will last longer. <laughs> uh, because, again, I think this is a top 20 team with Jabari Walker back. Um, and obviously, I, th- I think he made the right decision, especially landing with the Portland Trailblazers, where he looked, he fits Absolutely them like a made the right decision. So Absolutely far. made the yes, right decision. 100%. Selfishly, I would have liked him back. Selfishly, like, I know that if Nick, if Nick Clifford can go and be a second-round pick next year after he shoots, like, 50% from three, inshallah, he uh, – I want him to stay. I want all these guys to stay. Uh, mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm just glad that, like, it's like uh, – the wings are all big and they can do a lot of things, but they're not really great athletes. Like, they're good athletes, but not great. They're good shooters, but not great. Um. I'll push back. The guards are a little small. What? Yes. I, I think um, Allen <laughs> is small. a great athlete. I think Allen is a great athlete, yes. and we don't know okay, that. Okay, that's, yet, that's the I one I would is. accept. Yeah. Is that all? Is that all the pushback? Yeah, and the guards are tiny. I agree with that. I don't think that's a problem, okay. but I agree with that. No, I don't. I don't think it's a problem either. It's just, um, it's really hard for NBA guard like. Guards to get drafted to the NBA if they're not six foot three or taller. Like, right? Did, did you watch Sharif Cooper at Auburn? I I hate watched him. I hated everything about how he played oh, the okay. game. <laughs> well, you should be happy that he got cut by the Hawks. <laughs> but uh, yeah, just like it's it's hard for guards as small as KJ Simpson to make it into the NBA. Um, but yeah, that that was pretty much my point. I wanted to say, and Quincy Allen might be the aberration here, but if he turns into a like an NBA prospect in the next year or two, I'm just perfect. Great. Good job, Quincy. Yeah, I am. I I think it's interesting before we move off this point, I think it's interesting that CU basketball has had such great success, high school recruiting during the NIL era. I was not expecting this at all because I know I mean, the AD barely supports Colorado basketball. So I was not expecting the boosters to do anything regarding, you know, putting together any valuable NIL packages that could rival anyone we want to compete against. Um, but I I think what's been interesting is the fact that I should have seen this coming, but like a lot of the top tier programs are just not even bothering with a lot of high school recruiting, right? They're just going to pick off the best transfers year in, year out which mm-hmm. puts in less spots for the high school recruits that are coming in, um, which makes it, I guess, like lessens the gap there. Um, combine that with a continual proof point that Tad will develop you. If you come to see you, especially if you're a guard and you come to see you, you will absolutely be developed in a positive way and be able to run the offense. That's just it, the proof points continue to exist. I think it's been interesting to see what I thought would be a death knell for a lot of competitive CU recruiting is actually, they've actually like exceeded my expectations during that same time frame. So I'm excited to see where that goes. Um, I think part of that's because they're zagging where others are zigging right now. They are going for, they're going for high school players as much as possible. CU still is not going to be heavy in the transfer market. The two transfers CU pulled in this year were both Ivy League graduate transfers. That's not your normal go-to transfer. Um, yeah, we, we also do know the reason why that they had to go for those types of transfers. Right, because the CU admissions office is making it hard, yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah. but so, keep going. And, and past that, um, in an era where I've seen call, national college basketball podcasts say, you can't redshirt or else they're going to transfer, See, you redshirted two guys last year. Last year, two guys were redshirted. And they were, and they were four and they stars. they were both three to four stars. That's like, you know, it's something that is, you, if you identify the right guys, which they've always done a good job of doing that, but even at a higher level, they're still doing that, who are okay being taught, who are okay being patient, you're going to be able to do some of this stuff still. And it's just crazy to me that they are, 
it's it they are the ultimate zig team right now in this era of um of people saying that in order to keep up you have to get transfers and you have to make sure people play their freshman year see he's not doing either of those and is doing better than ever on the recruiting front um and that will pay off and has paid off on the basketball front so yeah i don't know it, yeah, it's I, a really I, fun I, time. I mean this is a point that i was saying when all the football transfers were leaving was that like with the nil stuff and with transfers it just speaks volumes of what tad Boyle has built like like the culture he's built and the kind of character of guys he's going for because they really need a specific type of personality to to fit into whatever they're doing yeah it's, it's like it's people not, who are mostly yeah it, well it's not even a knock on people who aren't that it just means that for yeah. this program you need to be able to be developed like that is just how this works yeah it's like uh we get to be the utah football pac-12 basketball <laughs> that oh man that's actually not bad if if we can okay, eventually get get to and win, I guess we did win the Pac-12 championship. But if we can do it again, I like that. We also should have won it, and we would have won it. But Oregon State was a team of destiny, and I think that we can hang that. Band. Hey, I'm not mad about it. We're we are the reason that they went to the Elite Eight, man. I am very mad about yeah, it. Scratch I, that. I'm extremely. I, <laughs> I was just thinking about Maurice Alatiche turning into a god for like two weeks. And Maurice Kalu, dude. Out of D1 <laughs> basketball, I'm pretty sure. Mo Kalu dropping 18 oh. or whatever he did. I don't know. Every time we talk at length about Colorado basketball, we somehow start to come back to that game. <laughs> but so, so let's, let's right. end on this loop. Cody Williams, on, getting Cody okay. Williams to visit is huge. It's a huge win for the program. Getting him to commit would obviously be even bigger. He released a top eight that CU was a part of, but it really sounds like it's it's kind of a five, six-ish horse race right now between CU, Arizona, the LA schools. Um, I think Arkansas is in there and LSU is in there. Um, so big dogs that CU is competing against. And, and we'll see what happens. But getting him to visit is huge, using one of his five official visits. Um, and if CU can close that deal, that, that team is so fun. So fun. Yeah, I'm getting. I'm. I'm like. I'm. I'm having fun just talking about how this team will look now and in the future. Uh, I just get so excited about Steve basketball. I just love it so much. So my, my little heart. <laughs> I'm. I'm forcing us to move forward here. Um, I know. Let's talk a little I, bit I about you too. Let's let's talk a little bit about some of the late breaking updates we've had. We've talked about the UCLA USC move already to the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the the new TV rights deal was just announced at Big Ten Media Days, so I want to mention that a little bit. Um, in general, the headline is it's a $7 billion contract for seven years, so disgusting, or eight years maybe, disgusting money being thrown about. It looks like the, the payout's going to end up being 80 to $100 million per school, which is also disgusting money. Um for the privilege, uh, the the people paying for this privilege are Fox, who gets tier one rights. Still, they they're the big Big Ten backer. It's it's the Fox show. Um, CBS has transitioned from uh, SEC to throwing the money at the Big Ten. So CBS paid around three hundred fifty million dollars for the tier two broadcasting rights. So they get the championship game. They get some smaller football games, and I think they get some bigger basketball games. I think is what that means. Um, and then NBC is the oh, third yeah, tier. Right there. So a lot of Big Ten basketball games are going to be Peacock exclusive games um, with NBC broadcasting a few other ones, I think, on their sports network or on their main network. Um, so the big headline out of all that, and that might all be boring, but the big headline of all that is that ESPN is not involved at all with the Big Ten as it stands currently, which they were before. Um, so that's kind of setting up the ESPN versus Fox battles that we've been talking about. Um, and now ESPN has to go elsewhere to try to fill their basketball content, to oh. try to fill their football content. Because um, they have ES- they have SEC locked down, but they don't want to be regional. They want to be national. So that means working with the Big 12 or the Pac-12, really, because they also have the ACC locked down as well. Um, so that's really actually semi-good news. Um, it's insane that the Pac-12 has somehow backed into a position where they may be able to – get a decent TV contract from ESPN out of this, but that appears to be the case. Um, 
So I think Big 12 has publicly stated that they prefer to work with Fox as a partner, or maybe they publicly stated that they only want to work with Fox as a partner. I need, I need to research Big 12 more. or Big 12? Big 12. Um, I, I okay. need to research more, and sorry, everyone, but I'm pretty sure that there has been rumblings that they don't want to work with Fo- uh, ESPN because they currently work with Fox um, and FS1 yeah. specifically. So that actually leaves ESPN in a weird spot of needing the Pac-12 and the Pac-12 needing ESPN. Or Pac-10, what do we want to call it? Um, which might well, mean that we're going to call it in the short-term future. CU's TV contract may actually exceed any sort of Big Twelve TV contract that's put out there, um, which would be good news. That you know, it's more money for the school, and ESPN is extra exposure. It would be easier for me to watch the games <laughs> if that's what ends up happening. Um, so that's mm-hmm. all good news for me. I, and Sam, I know you've been removed from a lot of this, so it's just going to be me, be me talking to me. But um, a lot of implications here. The other no, thing. I mean, is, go ahead. I am interested in this. I'm, 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 I'm listening. I'm not tuned out. You would know if I was tuned out. So the, the listener other, will probably also be listening to this quite intently. The, the other interesting hear. thing that is going on is the Big Ten publicly said that expansion is probably not going to be done. Um, if you ask me. What that means is they are saying if Notre Dame joins, we're absolutely absolutely going to make room for that. But if you ask others, you know, Phil Knight was in or <laughs> people from Oregon's decision makers who weren't the president or the AD. So, you know, read between the lines uh, was in Chicago um, talking about Oregon to the Big Ten with some high level people. So that's still a thing that Oregon and Washington still obviously want to join the cool kids club. Um, but I don't think that happens until Notre Dame joins the Big Ten, and I don't think that happens until 2030 when all of this cycle starts over again. Um, so I think in the very near term, CU has time to get a decent TV deal with the remaining Pac-10, aka Oregon and Washington. Please, God, for the love of God, have a decent 2020s decade where they can finally get the football team somewhere in a state that can prove its value. And then when 2020, when 2030 starts again, that cycle starts anew. See you in a spot, a better negotiating position to be in the cool kids club, whatever that looks like. Or maybe they're in the rejects kids club, which is still fun. Cause it's just us and Texas tech throwing tortillas at each other or whatever. I don't know. You know, that can <laughs> still be fun. Hell yeah. All right. Uh, moving on to, well, do you have anything else to say on that? Um, no, I just think it's it's interesting that the Big Ten just got disgusting amounts of money. They are obviously the market leader. I don't think that's anywhere near healthy for the sport. I think this will lead to long-term destruction. But, uh, you know, hey. Yeah. Um, okay, so speaking of ESPN, they just released an article just now, like just today, uh, ranking every college football team in tiers. So okay. they released 24 tiers. Um, from national championship contender to see, we told you what could be worse. Where do you think, what tier 1 to 24 is CU1? Um, this is 24 kind of tiers, question. you said? Yeah. Tier 18, if that's the lowest. Oh, very close. We're tier 19. Hey! Uh, it's titled... At least we're not as bad as Kansas. And it's Colorado, Arizona, Georgia Tech, Indiana, Northwestern. That sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah, that's about right. Um, but I am no longer going to be pissy about Colorado Buffalo's football team, except for this one last thing, and then I'll stop talking about it, that Christian Gonzalez was ranked by Dane Brugler of The Athletic as the second best NFL prospect cornerback in college football right now. Uh, and he's a very good scout and he's ahead of the curve on a lot of players like that. So I was reading the article and loudly said, fuck when I read his name, because I'm mad. <laughs> I'm so mad about it. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I'm not, I can't be mad. I'm, I guess I'm disappointed in the situation. The sad thing is that he's not, He's not on that list if he's still at CU. That's just a fact. Like, he's not going to be where he is at that list. Not, no. Uh, no. Nah, maybe. Dude, we've we've had really good quarterbacks. 
Yeah, like, but it, it's the it's the respect. He's getting respect because he's going to be on a better defense. This no, year, I think. no, no, no. That 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 guy that guy has some really bad teams on there. Generally, like he has, like his second ranked offensive lineman is like a Northwestern right tackle or something like that. Um, he 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 said that he had been doing uh, scouting on a on a few dozen like recruits and. Gonzalez just stood out because of his length and athleticism. He does. Um, in the very same way that all the CU corners who made it to the NFL did. Um, but I, I think that maybe he wouldn't have been too, but I think he still would have made the article if he made that that much of an impression. I'm still upset. I, I, I'm just upset that um, he, Brendan Rice, Makai Blackman, and Jared Broussard probably correctly felt that their potential would be better realized at on other teams for their yeah, final year. Correct. Um, just tells me that I, to me, that just means that CU football has failed these players that they did a good job identifying and that needs to be rectified. But yes, I, I did see that yeah. he's number two. Good for Gonzalez. I hope he makes all the money in the world. And Mark Perry was somehow ranked in the top 20 safety prospects, which is interesting. Because that's probably mostly athleticism. Because um, he's at TCU now. Um, okay, so enough with the negativity. Enough about being upset all of our best players transferred. What is happening in fall camp? Tell me some good stuff. Um, so a- after being looked like groundbreakingly closed off to the media and fans, still no fans allowed at spring pra- or at fall camp or spring practices. Super fun. But um, good, I'm not a it, fan. It, it looks, <laughs> it looks like um, they allowed media on a few different on I think one of the scrimmages, and so we got to see a little bit of, of what Brian Howell thinks or Adam Must Tiger thinks, other people, um, and you know QB battles are always fun as we mentioned before. We are pro Brendan Lewis podcast. It sounds like JT Shrout is making the decision at least very hard. If not, he has the lead right now. Um, it just sounds like his arm is disgusting. It sounds like he's a really good arm. Is that recent? Making throws. Because yes. I, I was reading like a week ago that Lewis was the 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 leader. I don't think they're going to announce anything, at least until like game okay. day. You know, I don't think we're going to see anything like that. I think we're probably going to see both of them this year. But uh, it looks like um, Shroud has gotten a lot more of the first team snaps. He's played in both scrimmages. Players have mentioned him a lot, um, and it sounds like his arm's really there. So that would be a fun development. Um, it's been a long time since CU's had an NFL quarterback, uh, a quarterback drafted at least. So, um, oh, wow. Hope he can be that guy. 1998 or something. Yeah, Ken Dorsey. Not Ken Dorsey. Oh, wow. God. Ken Dorsey is, isn't Ken Dorsey the Miami guy? Yeah. Coy Detmer. Coy Detmer, yeah. right? Yeah, Coy Detmer. Okay. Wow. That was. Oof, said a fugue state. Um, so that's that's like the probably the biggest headline. Um, we've seen a lot of offensive players mention Mike Sanford's scheme as being noticeably more complicated than than Shiverini's scheme, um, which is good to hear. You know, it'd be hard to be less complicated than Shiverini's scheme. Um, <laughs> but that might also. I be- could have been the defensive coordinator against his scheme. I can yeah, say. That. I know. I know. So, but it might also mean that uh, offense starts slow this year. We'll see. But uh, it, you know, we've we've It'll heard that a few probably times. Probably start slow, regardless. Yeah, true. Um, we've heard that a few times from a few different people. Um, defensively, it sounds like the front seven is actually pretty solid. We all kind of expected that, but the defensive line has pretty good depth, and if, as long as they find pieces at outside linebacker, I I think it'll be fine. Josh Chandler Semedo was a really good pickup to replace production at the middle linebacker spot. Um, oh, is he playing? Yes. A lot? Yes, he'll start. Oh, over Quinn Perry. Well, I think you're going to see a rotation of Chandler Semedo, Quinn Perry, and Robert Barnes in that middle area. Oh, how's Robert Barnes doing? Way bigger. Um, definitely way bigger. He looks like a linebacker, um, so we don't know too much, but he definitely looks way more comfortable. Okay, so um, he was a he was a safety who turned into a linebacker, who is now a linebacker size, correct? 
Yes, he was a tweener at Oklahoma. Came here as a semi-tweener, played star-ish, and now he's bulked up. Um, that's one thing I do want to mention as well. Shannon Turley's results have absolutely proven out this camp. Um, guys look way bigger than they did last year. Um, they look a little more. I mean, I said I should say it sounds like they're a little more limber. Um, CU's avoided a lot of those nicks and injuries that they've had in prior years. There's been some of that. Tommy Brown, Alabama transfer, has been in and out of injury, has as RJ Sneed, Baylor transfer. Um, but in general, it seems like they've done a really good job keeping kids healthy, which is huge, you know, really good. We've seen horror stories out of, like, Texas who lost four players to ACL tears, I think, or, you know, oh, Notre, Dame, Notre Dame lost their number one receiver. So we haven't seen anything like that. Um, knock on every wood you can. Also, Scott Frost is not doing great things with uh, the conditioning in Nebraska. <laughs> that story was so funny, and he had to backtrack it this week. Oh boy, <laughs> just can't help himself. Um, but yeah, I, I think at a fall camp, you always get optimistic at fall camp. This year, it's been really hard to get optimistic, and we'll talk about this more as the preview comes out, just because the schedule's a murderous row, um, and we know the talent that has left. It's been hard, um, but I'm glad to hear that I think the coaching staff changes have absolutely worked out. Um, Kyle Devana, offensive line coach, is going to be a massive upgrade, um, and Sanford can't do anything worse. So, you know. Yeah, I think we, we were both hard on the Sanford hire. Um, I still I think am. That, I still am. Yeah, I think it's 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 like uh, what, what could have been, especially because we are linked to Brendan Marion, who's like a oh. very creative, like up-and-coming coach. Uh, who could turn out to be nothing, could turn out to be the next thing, whatever. Um, but, like, we, we should really, uh, with all respect to Shiv, like, this is a pretty big upgrade, even if it's not the upgrade we were wanting. Um, and, uh, yeah, and then there's the P.J. Fleck drama, too, where uh, Sanford's issues at Minnesota might not have been a bad thing. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think materially we're not going to see Minnesota's offense change too much from last year to this year. I think Fleck runs that mm-hmm. show. But we yeah. talked about this ad nauseum. Sanford's track record is not just limited mm-hmm. to Minnesota. There's a lot of, yeah, a yeah, lot yeah, of things yeah. to be concerned about. However, also it was really young and all those stops. Coaches grow. We've seen it all the time, you know, so we'll see. Yeah. But- surely, surely his fifth offense in a row won't get worse when he's coaching because they can't get worse. That's the Mike Sanford pitch. That's exactly right. Um, oh, and I will say one other thing we've heard is uh, Ashton Logan, new punter, booms, baby. We got oh, a boomer nice. back there. Um, is he a boomer? Be, is he Australian? He's not. No, he's not Australian. He's not going to be. Okay, so God, we kicked Matt out Razia. the boomer. We kicked out the boomer, Josh Watts, the Australian, for this guy who is a boomer. Kind of worked ball. that way. Yeah. yeah. Kind of worked that way. Okay, great. Where does Josh watch it now? Okay, doesn't matter. Keep going. Doesn't matter. Um, some other things I want to mention. The tight end room is finally in a better spot of other than just Brady Russell and walk-ons. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. So we've seen some good things out of Caleb Fourier uh, and some other play. I, there's a guy I'm blanking on. I'm going to be so pissed that I missed his name after this goes live. Um, but it, there's, there's some room there. Brady Russell's still number one in our hearts. Um and I, I, I don't know. Running back's going to be an adventure. Are you thinking of like, Eric Olson? Yes, thank you. Sorry, thank you. Okay. Um, running back's also going to be a bit of an adventure because it sounds like it's Fontenot and Smith, two seniors, and then two freshmen. So it sounds like it's those two. And then Venn and Hankerson are the other two. With walk-on running back Charlie Offerall getting a lot of praise. We're probably going to see him Kyle Levin style during mm-hmm. this season. Kyle what style? Kyle Evans, baby. Oh, Kyle Evans. Okay. Was he a walk-on? Yeah. I didn't know that. Okay. okay. Yeah. Good for Kyle Evans was a monster. Still like, still a great buff. Yeah, still a great buff. Okay. Uh, all right. So those are the main depth areas that we're, we're seeing position fights for. Yeah. Um, let's see. Wide receiver is a little bit – it's unsettled for sure. Because, you know, see, you lost a lot. But I think Montana Lamorne's Craig's going to be your number one best option there. Um, and outside linebacker, still unsettled. Last year, there's a big rotation. Going to be a big rotation this year. 
I think my personal favorite would be Alvin Williams. I love Alvin Williams. I think he can bend the corner, but we'll see. We'll see. Um, last thing okay, I want to mention. Just to slow down. Okay. Can we slow down real quick? Okay, so receivers. So Montana Lamonius Craig is the favorite. Do, what have you heard with him? I, I, as consistent, I mean, as good as he was last year. I think last year we saw some okay. really good flashes. He's like that this year. Consistent catching the ball, gets open on the edges, um, and has some nice break speed in and out of his breaks. Yeah. Okay, and then I heard good things about Daniel Arias saying that he's not do. the same player. Yeah, we I always mean, hear that. We'll see. But I mean, six foot four, fast, deep threat, whatever. I mean, that's always valuable, even if he's not getting a lot of targets. Um, and then RJ Sneed, the Baylor transfer, uh, has not really played very much. He's been out with injuries. Um, so those would be the main guys, right? And then there, there was a freshman. Uh, something Jordan? What was it? Well, you're saying last year's freshman? There's Chase Penry and Ty Robinson that both played. No, no, no. no oh, freshman. Jordan Tyson. Yes. Yeah. He's been getting good reviews. I don't think we'll see much of him this year, but he's been getting good reviews. Okay, so those are the main receivers. There's not that much talent in the receiving room, I would say. It's a step down. I would say we we're still solid, see. though. Yeah, my, yeah it my, seems solid. <laughs> five years running, my underrated breakout hit, Maurice Bell, will finally hopefully be healthy and see the field. <laughs> yeah. I, I still Jaylen love Jackson how that guy too. plays, man. And Jalen Jackson, okay. same way, yeah. Um, um, the last thing I want to hit on, last thing I want to hit on before we close up shop here, DBs often took a massive shop. I have other questions. Okay. DBs took a massive hit. Obviously, Makai Black and yeah. Christian Gonzalez both gone, as is Mark Perry, who we will see week one at TCU. Um, but but freshman DBs all looked okay last year, and it all it's all up to see if they can they can do it again this year um, in terms of full workload. Can they make it? Can they still look competent when they're the only people out there? Um, Carl Durrell has talked about Tyron Taylor since he signed. He still really likes Tyron Taylor, and he's starting to talk more about Nico Reed out there. They think they really like Nico mm-hmm. Reed. Yeah, My Nico personal Reed favorite is Kalen Moore. I think Kalen Moore has NFL athleticism. I think he's going to be more of a slot bulldog area player, but I think he's still really good. We're going to see a lot of him this year. Um, and then my other favorite back in the safety spot is Trevor Woods. I love Trevor Woods. Yeah. We've heard not yes. a lot, good or bad from him either way, but Trevor Woods and Isaiah Lewis, is, you can do worse. Um, still all really young. So they, they've talked about how they're they're all young. I would expect well, there. The reason we haven't heard much with Trevor Woods is because he's been out with an injury and he's recovering. Um, yes. But it was, it was minor. Um, but yeah, I, I think that he just like <laughs> passes the eye test with flying colors. Um, did I send you his... Uh, uh, I'm, I'm going to find his player by okay? Because it's so funny. Okay. Um, okay. Trevor Woods is interested in the oil and gas industry after his playing career is over. His hobbies include playing all sports and fishing. He throws a baseball with his left hand, but throws a football with his right hand. He lists juggle flaming batons as one of his talents. Wow. Texas boy. Yeah, the Texas boy. Yeah, okay. He's from East Texas, by the way. Uh, so, uh, a little bit of hick, Texas charm in there. He's a football player. He's a, he's a, also, he is a football player's football player. And he changed his number to 43, which means, do you want to probably guess who That's a cool player safety up? number. Yeah. No, he was 42, which is good, but 43 is pretty obvious. Like, Palomalu fan. I think uh, he might have changed it. Cause did the Pac-12 retire Jackie Robinson's number across all sports? Uh, I don't think. I thought somebody had his number. Okay, but uh, hmm, there was a position that I was curious about. I, I thought you breezed through. Let me think while I'm typing. Um, okay, so running back we got through is going to be Fontenot, Dion, Dion Smith. Deion Smith, and then Jaylee Stacks, is he going to really – Yeah, that's he's, not he's, very good. He's back there. It's Jaylee Stacks, Charlie Offerdahl, and then the two freshmen are Victor Venn and Anthony Hankerson. Hankerson okay, has is there hurt. a chance Victor Venn finds some – Yes, he'll play, he'll play a little bit. Okay. Uh, a walk-on has number 42. So – 
to answer your question. Okay, there you go. Um, okay, so Victor Venn will probably play a little bit. Um, I hope it's more than like Patrick Carr, for those who know. Um, yeah, wow. Uh, is there anyone that we see with like breakout potential? Charlie Offerdahl would obviously be the, like the story that everybody would be rooting for. In the backfield, you mean? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Deion Smith, if you yeah. count that as a breakout, you'll absolutely see a bunch of carries this year. And hopefully we see him uh, succeed. And I, I think those are your main two. I think we'll see a little bit of Venn, but not too much. Okay, and then, I, I mean, obviously, if Stacks turned into a great play, that would be amazing. For all of us. Do you remember that Hawaii running back who was like five foot eight, two fifty? Oh my god, I totally remember that with Cole Patterson as the quarterback. Yeah. <laughs> that was a fun team, man. For roller. Yeah, imagine Cole, Cole McDonald living the dream. Cole McDonald. Going from LA to Hawaii, growing up dreads and just saying fuck it and throwing 20 interceptions, 20 touchdown passes. <laughs> <laughs> Incredible. Okay. Uh, any other positions to watch? We pretty much got everything. Is there? Is there I, anybody? I mean, offensive line tackles. The, the tackles depth is concerning. We'll talk about this all during our preview pod. Yeah. But um, in interior, of the offensive line looks really solid, and we're going to see a true freshman, I think, at center, which is fun. Um, but the tackles are, are true freshman at center. Van Wells, baby. What a name! What? Who did I think it was going to be? There's a few names in there. Austin Johnson's been getting snaps. No offense, he's been getting snaps. I think, yeah, I think I thought it was Austin Johnson who was going to be a starter. I don't know. It's Damn. it's going to be wishy, but it can't be worse than last year once again. Uh, yeah. Um, all right. Um, is that all? Uh, yeah, I think that's it for now. Next yeah, week is okay. preview pod week. Um, and I think we might be doing some TCU prep stuff as well. So get ready for that. We're going to drop the full preview next week as well in text form. So we are finally at the season, fellas. Yes. Okay, great. All right. Well, Jack, talk to you later. See ya. Boss. Boss.